Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me Time after time If you fall, I will catch you I will be waiting Time after time Time after time <laughs> We rarely harmonize, but we did it that time Yeah, we did it That time, alright That time after up? time It's time uh, Mark off the timestamp for those of you that hate it and comment it below Because the show is beginning How's it going, everybody? Oh, hello. <laughs> You're watching Slash Listen to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. It's time for part two of our M21 set review. Good thing we split this into two parts because part one ended up being... An hour and a half. 90 minutes. Oh, my Lord. We got through the shrines. We got through the new Planeswalkers, and then we did the green and white cards, which means we have blue cards, red cards, black cards, multicolor cards artifact cards, and land cards to discuss today. So there's plenty to get through, but before we start, don't forget, cardkingdom.com slash command zone, M21, right on the horizon, obviously because we're talking about it. You can pre-order all that stuff right now so that you'll have it the weekend that it all comes out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a bunch of cards in this set. For a core set, there's a lot more stuff for commander than normal. A lot of stuff you want. Of course, jumpstart. Also right around the corner, Big Double weekend. Masters coming up, Ecoria C20. There's tons of stuff that's come out in the last just like couple of months. So if you're like us, I mean, I'm assuming you're like this, Jimmy. There's still a ton of stuff I haven't got my hands on. Nope. So cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're going to buy that stuff anyway. Just use that affiliate link when you do. Well, one thing I really like to do when I'm on cardkingdom.com slash command zone is just scroll through their singles, scroll through what they have. And a lot of times stuff catches me off guard. I'm like, oh, right. We talked about that card. Jeez, it feels like a year ago now. But yeah, I meant to get it. Yeah, here we go. I'll buy a copy now. Oh, they have a foil, whatever it is. And also cardkingdom.com slash command zone has a lot of ultra pro products. And ultra pro is definitely having a field day because there is so much new stuff, so much great art 
all of the sort of showcase frames in those cards that are special in Ikoria, Double Masters, and all that, they're coming with alternate art versions. We look at a wall scroll that's sitting behind us every single day here on the set. So there's tons of really great products, and Ultra Pro is the number one place to get it because it's high quality, it's durable, it's going to last you a long time, and more importantly, it's protecting everything you need, and Josh and I trust it. We've been using it for five plus years. You can buy a lot of their uh, folios and stuff on cardcam.com slash command zone, or, you know, if you're just at your local LGS or a big box retailer, they have some stuff there as well as just online. So please take our word for it. Ultra Pro is the way to go. Yeah, they are the best. And uh, also people that are the best are our patrons. That's the final way to support all of our content. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute directly to our stuff and you get all kinds of perks like hanging out with Jimmy and I on our Discord each and every day. You also get to see Game Nights, which is coming up very, very soon, a day earlier than the general public. Yeah. So we have our M21... um, episode on the horizon you're not going to want to miss that patreon.com slash command zone and we also shout out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to jaden holly jaden you rock all right let's get into this m21 set review part two so if you haven't listened to part one you might want to go do that first uh, I, guess, I guess they don't have to. Yeah, the, right? I guess, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really matter which order you do. Also, we did all the new legendary creatures, all the new commanders in another separate video. So this is like a three-part set review now. So if you're looking for legendary creatures, we're not going to talk about those today. You got you need to find that video, which yeah. is two episodes ago. Okay, let's um, talk about... Well, let's just jump back into the colors here. We did green and white, so blue is up next. I had an interesting idea for this, Josh. Okay. Because blue's your favorite color, yes. and red's my favorite color, yes. let's see if we can guess how the other person thinks about these cards, and then we'll talk about them normally. Okay, sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, so the first one up is one that's making the headlines. It's Discontinuity. It's three blue, blue, blue for an instant, and it says, as long as it's your turn, this spell costs two blue, blue less to cast. So it actually reduces the mana cost from three blue, blue, blue to one in a blue. And the card just says, end the turn. So to specify what that means, exile all spells and abilities from the stack, including this card. The player whose turn it is discards down to their maximum hand size, damage wears off, and this turn and until end of turn effects end. So... This is a card. Yeah, this is a time stop sundial of the infinite effect. Okay, well let's let's see you predict how what I think about this card. Uh, I think I think Josh really likes this card. This card is really powerful because of the modal ability. You're, there's two ways to cast it. One in the blue on your own turn to end your own turn is an effect that you sometimes want to do. And Josh, or I guess me, put out a video talking about Rune of the uh, of the Hidden Realm. Hidden Realm. I was going to say of the Fomori, but that's Ruhan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think this card works well with those types of effects as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we talked about how with Rune, there's now kind of a loophole in the system where you can exile somebody's commander permanently if they kind of make the wrong choice. This can do that. There's also a ton of just general usage. You're right. I like this card a lot. The fact that you can get this effect so cheaply because time stop is sort of the closest equivalent to this, right? And that's five mana? Six mana. Six mana? Same cost, but it's only two blue pips, so it's quote-unquote easier to cast. Right, it's three blue blue, right? Or or, sorry, four blue blue. Right, right, right. And But... You know, you often do use uh, this effect on your own turn because you're doing shenanigans with it. Like, um, I guess for people that don't understand this effect, what you're looking for is uh, cards that say they do something and then at end of turn, they have their downside. So like... Exile it or do whatever, yeah. Yeah, so like Geist of St. Traft creates uh, an angel and then at end of turn, you sacrifice it or whatever. Until end of turn, that the the time stop discontinuity stuff doesn't do anything about. So if you giant growth your thing, and then you end the turn, it doesn't stay with plus three, plus three forever. Right. Uh, But if you 
you know, if you do the Geist of St. Traff thing, you keep the angel forever because that's an at end of turn thing. Right. So, uh, yeah. What are some other cards that we like here, Jimmy? The big thing to me is like outside of the end of turn shenanigans, which I love. Sneak attack is a card that works very well with it. Oh, uh, sneak attack is so good with it. The... Keep them. You keep the cards. So just cast all those things for one mana each. Yeah. Uh, it, discontinuity says exile all spells and abilities from the stack. So, Josh, for instance, you played the Earl of Tit- Titan of Nature's Wrath, and this is a card that when you cast it, uh, when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped, which is an alternative cost you pay from your graveyard. However, with that ability on the stack, you can cast discontinuity, and boom, your Earl sticks around. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you can even order it, I believe, in a way that the two t- triggers happen, right? Earl comes in, you draw a card, gain three life, put a land on the battlefield, then you put the other thing on the second, and in response to that, you hold priority and discontinuity and keep her around. Yeah, exactly. You saw me doing this um, with Crystal Shard, like responding to those two triggers. You right. could respond to the two triggers and end the turn, keep Uro. Uh, you put fetch lands down here. So this, <laughs> oh, is a me- this is so mean. This is a mean thing you can do to people, which is they fetch, boom, sack the thing, and then you end the turn in between yeah. the, when the trigger's on the stack. That's oh. that's It's like stifling. Uh, Rune of the right, Hidden, Hidden right. Realm, we talked about exiling things. Uh, you've got Cedrus the Traitor King on here. Right. Unearth is an ability that says return the tr- creature card to the battlefield. It gains haste and then exile it at the beginning of the next end step, or if it will leave the battlefield. Discontinuity just gets rid of all those triggers and says, nope, that's actually not getting exiled. Um, Myriad is a good mechanic with right. um, and the turn effects because the it creates tokens that go away at the end of combat. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you cast all your spells you want to pre-combat main phase, leave enough open for discontinuity, go to attacks, let's say you have Blade of Selves on something, that creates a token copy of that creature attacking each of your opponents, and then... Depending, you could even do this before blocks if they could block and kill the thing, or you can do it after oh, right. the damage is done. After the damage is done, trigger goes on the stack to exile those tokens, and you go, end the turn, I'm going to keep those tokens forever. Right, if it's not like a profitable attack, but you just want two or three more copies of a really good creature. Yeah, or you get ETB effects on it or whatever. Right. Ooh, also, chance. there are creatures that just natively have myriad, so you could use this with those. We can't possibly go through... Oh, wait, I want to go through one more. The final oh, yeah. fortunes of the world, Jimmy. Oh, yes, that's right. Cards that say if you uh, take an extra turn, and then at the end of that turn, you lose the game. Right. No, no, well, that's thanks. an at the end of turn trigger, the lose the game <laughs> part. And you go, okay, well, I'm going to end the turn before I would lose the game. Yeah, you're exiling that ability. It's on the stack. You're like, nah, no thanks. And and we should be clear that, yeah, for those effects, you need to wait until the trigger goes on the stack and then end the turn. Because otherwise, it'll want to put that trigger on the stack sometimes at the beginning of the next end step. Or like, right, yeah. like Rune, you have to wait till that trigger to bring the thing back goes on the stack and then end the turn. Otherwise, it'll bring it back on the, you know, Jimmy's right, turn. the next end step. Um, so anyway, these are really cool effects, and the fact that this only costs two mana on your turn, I think it it makes it better than Time Stop. Certainly. Uh, Outside by the quite o- a bit. Yeah, the only thing that's holding it back is that there's three blue pips. But- so it's like one more blue, even in the worst case scenario, and that's not even that bad. Yeah. And uh, we're going to find it in a second here. Well, we'll get to it in about three cards. Holding <laughs> up six mana is not going to be the worst thing for you. No, in general, I think blue has a pretty darn good time holding up just mana in general. So... Let's uh, move on to the next one here. You want to read this one? Okay, this is Ghostly Pilferer. (laughs) It's one in a blue for a 2-1. Spirit Rogue. When it becomes untapped, you may pay two generic mana if you do draw a card. So uh, it's inspired, right? That's the inspired mechanic? Oh, yeah, right. When it becomes untapped, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then it says, whenever an opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. Hmm. So the Kess decks and the Carador decks of the world, the yeah. Muldrotha decks of the world are yeah. giving you cards. And then it also says you can discard a card, colon, ghostly pilfer, can't be blocked this turn. So you can protect it 
knowing that you're going to get through, they can't block it, and it'll untap hopefully next turn, and you can draw that card to replace the one that you discarded. It costs you two mana to draw the card, so yeah. it's not the... I think you just said what Josh Lukai thinks about this card, which is it's not that amazing. Uh, I think it has a lot of utility, maybe in the right decks, but otherwise, unless you're facing a bunch of Madrolthas, you wouldn't be running this typically. Yeah, if you know your meta, and there's a lot of people casting things out of graveyards often, you got a Muldrotha, cast yeah. deck, you know, a Carador, that kind of stuff um, that's showing up in your meta often, then this might be worth it because it, it's likely to like get in once or twice early mm-hmm. maybe draw you a couple cards if you want to pay that mana and then maybe draw you a couple cards just incidentally off what people are doing right it is a free discard outlet so you could for instance discard every card in your hand to trigger this a bunch of times mm-hmm. uh, so there are some decks that want that I put down Tetsuko Umazawa who is a, a card that says creatures you control with power toughness one or less can't be blocked yep. so this is like a mono blue Staxi type build you might build here and Ghostly Perfect just generates you a lot of value and it you know it's not the most efficient draw engine but it will get the job done yeah that's the thing i'd say about this overall is if you're d- using the top part which is pay to draw a card even if it happy. didn't have could if it, even if it wasn't conditional and this one is because it has to untap right right uh it's still like not for blue if it was white sure but for blue it's <laughs> if like, it was white that'd be we'd two to draw a card is just like not great it's yeah. not something you want to be doing this is an interesting one you put down knowledge yeah. pool <laughs> Knowledge Pool is a card that, please don't play it, by the way. I, I it, it makes chaos happen. But with Ghostly Pilfer, very interesting. Six mana artifact with imprints when Knowledge Pool enters the battlefield. Each player exiles the top three cards of their library. And whenever a player casts a spell from their hand, that player exile it, exiles it. If that player does, they may cast a spell from among other cards exiled with Knowledge Pool without paying its mana cost. So that's going to draw you cards off Ghostly Pilfer. But in general, this just causes mad mayhem and chaos around the table. And also, generally, the person who plays Knowledge Pool immediately locks everyone out with Teferi. There's a bunch of cards now that basically say right. your opponents can't cast spells without paying their mana cost and just means your opponents can't cast spells now. <laughs> uh, but it, as as combos go, Ghostly P- Pilfer with Knowledge Pool is one of the nicer ones, right? You're just saying, yeah. no, no, I'm not going to lock you out of the game exactly. I'm just going to draw a lot of cards off of you. This may be one of the few ways that mono white and red get access to cards in other colors, really, is just casting Knowledge Pool and yeah. at six mana, being like, hey, who's got to cultivate off the top of their deck? I want it. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say Vehicles. If you have a deck with oh, that's yeah. touching blue and has a bunch of vehicles, that would be maybe be a way to get Ghostly Pilfer tapped uh, mm-hmm. without attacking with it that you could, uh, you know, untap and pay two and draw two. Yeah. Still not that great. I but think- but again, I think you only play it if they're casting a bunch of spells out of their graveyard in your meta or they're, you know, casting a bunch of spells and uh, not, not uh, from their hands. Yeah. And then you just also want to instantly have this other stuff. Like you, you still wouldn't even play it unless maybe I have a couple of vehicles in this deck too. And then I have, you know, or you're a, a reanimator deck. You're yeah. playing Lazav the Multifarious. You want cards in your graveyard to be copied. Yada yada. Yep. Um, yep. Very very a bit more niche, but also at the same time, I, I think this is like by the way, just a good power level for a blue card to have. Yeah. Nothing's busted about yeah. it. It addresses some problems in certain metas, and has a valuable effect. And it gets out there early and can attack their Teferi if they play it, which is a thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) How good are you at killing Teferi? Yeah. Actually, pretty good. Good job, Ghostly Pilfer. Actually, no one's really that good at killing Teferi. He still takes a couple of hits, but at least, you know, you start to help out. Unless he gets phased out of existence. But then that that basically did three damage to Teferi rather than Uh, two, right? Okay, all right. Good job, Ghostly Pilfer. (laughs) You you pilfered them. One damage. Okay, next up is See the Truth, one in the blue for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the 
bottom of your library in any order. If this spell was cast from anywhere other than your hand, put each of those cards into your hand instead. So this could be a two mana draw three at sorcery speed compared to Ghostly Pilfer, untap, pay two, draw one, clearly an upgrade. However, a lot of other times this is just a sorcery speed anticipate. Right. What do you think I think about it? Uh, I think Josh thinks this card is actually pretty good. You just got to be have the kind of deck that really empowers it to only... Like, you You don't want to play this for two mana, draw one, look at three cards. No, you need the ability to cast it from your graveyard, basically. I mean, it says from not your Graveyards hands. from exile. Yeah, but the most likely place you're going to cast it from that's not your hand is the graveyard. Yeah. So, But I don't think you need a lot, right? If you just have a Snapcaster Maze, or yeah. ma- Maze, Mage, and... Uh, <laughs> And a past in flames in your deck. Underworld I think, Breach, everyone's favorite new red enchantment. Yeah, I mean, if you have all three of those, Underworld Breach is so good with this, actually, because you can cast it over and over again. Oh my gosh, you're right. It just goes... <laughs> right? Because remember, Underworld Breach doesn't exile the card after you cast it, so it goes yeah. back to your graveyard, which you cast it again out of your graveyard by just exiling the cards. And so yeah. if your graveyard's big enough, this just pay two, draw three, pay two, draw three. If you even do that like th- twice, that's six cards for four mana. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So that's really good with Underworld Breach, but I don't, I don't think you need fifty of those effects. Well, obviously you wouldn't have that many, but you don't need five of those effects. You just need two. You know, Yogmoth's uh, Will, or mm-hmm. um, if you just have a couple, I think that's good enough value because this card is very low impact on your deck. You Even, might have a replaceable effect already in there that this is similar to, like pay two, pick the best card out of your top three. It it's didn't like, hurt you much, even if you didn't never draw your Underworld Breach that game. Mm-hmm. And then the games where you do draw the Underworld Breach, it becomes insane. Right. So I don't think you need a ton of synergy with it before it's like playable. Yeah, uh, my Paco and Haldan deck could mm-hmm. definitely play this because you can find ways to put this on top of your library. And when you exile it, when uh, Paco attacks, then boom, you can cast it from not your hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty interesting. You put on a card here we've never we haven't talked about much, but collected conjuring. Yeah, this. I is, was like I had to look it up. I didn't remember what it did. Right, because there is collective co- company. collected company, which yeah. is all about creatures. This is the sorcery two blue and a red version to exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast up to two sorcery spells. Sorcery, what? With converted mana cost three or less from among them without paying their mana cost, and then you put the exiled cards not cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is like collected company, but way worse, and at sorcery speed and can only hit sorceries. But it does hit see the truth. So and it, it casts it from not your hand. Yeah. So if you were looking to finally make collected conjuring work, congrats, you're a, a teeny bit close. See, I, the way I put, would put that is if collected conjuring is already in your deck, mm-hmm. then that deck is a candidate that might want see the truth. Ah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a card we haven't talked about in years. I know. Heleva or Jaleva, Nephelia's Scourge. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top X cards of their library, where X is the amount of man to cast Heleva. Jaleva. Heleva. We call her Heleva, but it's been so long that we're not certain or confident that you will know that. So Yeah, it's and actually who created the nickname, too, yeah. on this show, which is another card we're going to be mentioning here in a second. <laughs> um, and then whenever Haleva attacks, you can cast an instant or sorcery from among those cards exile without paying its mana cost. So it's sort of like Turbo Mill yourself. This creature is a four mana, one, three flyer. You Generally in that in. deck, you want to be casting huge things, though, not yeah. little. You're not paying its mana truth, cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, cast. So the person who came up with the nickname for Haleva is Alex Kessler. So the next card we're going to talk about is Kess, Dissonant Mage, which Watsi was kind enough to give to Alex Kessler as, as a, pre- a preview yeah. card. It wasn't so named after cool. him, but they were like, hey, yeah. It's close enough. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so Kess, Dissonant Mage allows you to cast um, instants and sorceries out of your graveyard uh, one per turn. So see the truth, boom, becomes two, two mana, draw three. three. Pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. pretty sweet. 
Yeah. I and think this card is, is like low-key pretty good. Yeah, it, it just works on both ends of it. You know, if you're doing the whole like test of like, is it good this way, that way? It's like actually not bad this way and really good the other way. I mean, at its worst, it's just not very bad. Pay yeah. two, get some card selection. That's like almost a cantrip. Like it's not it's not great. But then the fact that the upside is so big later on in the game, you're just like right. pay two, draw three. Jeez. And it certainly uh, is great until you compare it to this next card. Okay, so this next card is, yeah. Front well, runner. Oh, wait, no, you've got to guess how if I like it or not, so oh. here we go. <laughs> I don't think this is a tough one. The test... Uh, <laughs> this the, is going to really me, tax the, your give brain. Give me a gimme on this one. <laughs> All right. It's Sublime Epiphany. Some funky art on this thing. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of Days a little bit. The, the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's four blue-blue for an instant. It says, choose one or more. So you can choose only one, or you can choose all of them, or you can choose three of these. It, wait, wait, there's more than three? So there's, what What do we say? There's 31 different combinations. 31. Because there's five different modes on this uh, card. And okay, again, you sure. can choose one or more. No not problem. just one or two. Or Okay, so it's here's... a sorcery, right? It's an instant. <laughs> Four blue blue. So here's the five modes. Counter target spell. Or counter target activated or triggered ability. Uh, or... Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Oh, boy. Or create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. Or target player draws a card. <laughs> so you're always drawing a card, right? Six mana instant draw one card. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario. The worst thing this ever does, if the board's like completely empty, is counter a spell and you draw a card, right? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, everyone's favorite one blue, blue, blue cryptic command. Right. Which is harder to cast, but a little less mana, but, you know, close enough. But it also could bounce a non-land permanent. It, and it also could make a copy right. of one of your creatures. Cryptic Command cannot do more than two. It also could just counter a Planeswalker ultimate, you know, a uh. triggered ability. It could counter a fetch land, like, you know, the mean thing we were talking about. Or rune returning a creature. Right. But not just do that, but also draw you a card, count, you know, bounce something, mm -hmm. make a token of something. The fact that the... Oh, wait. No, you're supposed to guess if I like this card. Sorry. Uh, Josh. Uh, hi, I'm Josh. This card is clearly underpowered. <laughs> Wizards needs to do a lot more to really bring blue up to speed and certainly creating a single spell that's better than every single red card printed except for maybe Underworld Breach in the past two years. Nah, no prob. This card's nuts. Yeah, this is my uh, other candidate besides Teferi for best card in the set. You know, we always talk about how a nine mana expropriate can win the game. Do yeah. you think a six mana Sublime Epiphany has the ability to do that as well, just given how much it can do? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Because if you're talking counter a spell, bounce a key permanent, make a copy of your best thing, that right there is total game altering. Yeah. Right? Because it's it can, a three for one. And it's not the same people. So I counter your spell, bounce the thing from one of my other opponents, double my best thing, and all of a sudden, think of the balance shift that that just occurred. Stop you, stop you. If the third person was in fourth place in the game, you, and you were you know in second or first, mm -hmm. you just vaulted so far ahead. And it's, yeah, it's very powerful. Not to mention there are combo-tastic things you can do with this to just really make it go off. Yeah, this is... Yeah. Listen, Mystic Confluence and Cryptic Command, very powerful cards. If you're in heavy blue decks, you can run those in all those decks. Like, the only reason you don't run them is because you're a nice person. Yeah, you don't want to counter something. You Yeah. But, <laughs> but, like, objectively, just putting them in your deck is almost always correct. Yeah. And then they just made a, quote-unquote, better version of them. I think, you know, it's six mana, so CEDH and things may not want to run this because it just costs so much. But for casual... This is a powerhouse card. It's just such a blowout.
And we hold up six mana very often in this format. Yep. And, you know, thinking back to see the truth, it's two mana for a spell that's kind of like Ponder, right? At its worst, but that's only one mana. Going from one to two, not a big deal. Going from like four to six, two in, in, in EDH, it's not a huge jump. It's not as big as you might think it is. It's definitely not going from like four to seven. Yeah, seven was our threshold for the stats episode for a reason, because that's the point we saw where it really started to make a difference. Set, there's a big difference between six and seven. Yeah. And once you get to seven, that's kind of the high CMC stuff. If this was seven, I would feel a little differently about it. But six, I is still feel good at seven, yeah. though, right? Yeah. But six is just below the threshold where I think you you can find spots to hold this mana open and cast this most games. And if you hold the mana open for this, the downside of counter spells is nobody plays anything that you want to counter, and then you kind of are like, oh, I didn't want to cast this, and I just wasted the mana. I didn't use it for this turn. Right. Worst case scenario on this is bounce something, make a copy of your best thing, draw a card for six mana. That's still pretty good. Yeah. And like, you know, you have to be a little careful. Don't target it on things that can get fizzled. So yep. someone could like, you know, return their own creature with a crystal shard or sack it to something, you know, so you just have to be a little careful of that. But still, even at its worst, this just has so much, right? You're already in a blue deck. You're going to have, if you don't cast a blind epiphany, maybe it's two other things from your hand that draw you a card, do something else. Maybe yeah, it's you've a got other options. Yeah, yeah, you have other options. Sublime epiphany just feels like one of those cards that we'll have to just be very aware of and play around for the duration of the format. Because six mana also, like, you have access to a Torrential Gear Hulk. It's so good with Torrential Gear Hulk. Because it enters the battlefield. You can cast an instant or sorcery without pay- or an instant without paying its mana cost. Well, you- from your graveyard. From your graveyard. So Torrential Gear Hulk's down. You cast Sublime Epiphany. All the effects go off. You create a copy of the creature you control. Is Sublime Torrential- Epiphany, is it, off the, uh, is it in the graveyard yet? The original Sublime Epiphany? Yeah. Well, why not do it again? Yeah, because I just made a copy of it. So bounce two things. Pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. That, that, yeah. 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 It'll exile it the second time, right? Right. Because, right. yeah, but still. Uh, remember, you do have to copy modes when you copy things, but not when you recast it without paying its mana cost. Right. This is going to come up in a minute because we're going to talk about copying it. Um, because another really good combo with this is Dual Caster Mage. Yes. Dual Caster Mage is a one red red 2-2 two, two flash when it enters the battlefield. Copy targeted instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you have to choose the same modes, but you can choose different targets. This immediately goes infinite... Because you Sublime Epiphany, and with Sublime Epiphany on the stack, now you do have to have... Something to target. A token, or a creature on the battlefield that you can target. But you go, okay, target, you know, this, target that with the bounce, target, you know, me to draw a card. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're not even countering something. And then you hold priority, and you flash in Dual Caster Mage, copying the Sublime Epiphany. And that Sublime Epiphany, the second one targets the dual caster mage right because it needs to enter the battlefield for it to trigger yep exactly and now when that token comes in it copies the original sublime epiphany which copies the dual caster mage and you keep the mode so you're bouncing non-land permanents and drawing cards this whole time (laughs) exactly you can also target the same thing multiple times right so you don't need to worry about running out of targets yeah because it's all going to resolve yeah and then you could even mill people out this way, right? Because you could target them to draw the cards or whatever. Like, once you've got yeah, the infinite loopy thing so. going, right? You don't even need non-land permanence to bounce. You can just be like, I'm just going to do... Right, you can just a token do token and draw, and draw, a, card. draw a card. Yeah, yeah, so you don't need to worry about unbouncing everything and then fizzling the other copies. Wow. Yeah, so... Okay, then. Nine mana win the game. Yeah. Lutri would have worked with this too, but is banned. Um, Naru Meha is another... Right. Uh, blue card that does the same thing as dual caster mage in this Costs instance. a little more. Yeah, and, and can only target your own stuff. But, but mono blue, if you're playing that deck, yep. boom, you have an instant win now with just, you have a two-card combo instant win in your deck. Now, that's a lot of mana. It's 10 or 9 mana, and we already know that, like, oh, sure, expropriate just all by itself will win you the game in that situation, yeah. too, by just casting the one card. But it's still, like, the fact that this card is so good 
but also has synergistic combo stuff that can go on. But also, like, you don't care. I think if you just cast the Blind Epiphany, you're always going to be happy. Yeah. And then sometimes you also combo it with stuff and you get even more happy. Um, it also bounces permanents and it can be permanence you control, so you could do it with, like, Eternal Witness to get itself back, mm-hmm. right? Make the copy of the Eternal Witness, get it back out of your graveyard, Jeez. hold it open, whatever, like... There's just a lot of stuff that happens here. Archaeomancer is already a card that I think people should play a little more of, yep. especially now that we have all these Reality Everwise decks running around. So many wheel decks. Things are going to be in your graveyard. You're going to want to find ways to get it out. And now, now you have Sublime Epiphany to just make things even stronger. You can either bounce the Archaeomancer back to your hand or create a token copy of it, get the Epiphany back right then. Yeah. All kinds of stuff you can do. Mnemonic Wall will work with it too. There's going to be a card, I think, Sublime Epiphany, that once it's in the blue player's hand in the game, you they're going to be able to recast it multiple times in that game. And it's going to be a real slog just being like, crap, they always have that in their hand and they always have the man up and this is just a pain in the butt. <laughs> How many times do we have to beat this card yeah. to win the game type yeah. thing? Yeah. So very strong card. Uh, Good yeah. job. Good job. This next card's pretty strong too. Let's be real. I know, right? <laughs> Jeez Louise. I mean, Jimmy, what do I think about this card? <laughs> it's Teferi, Ageless Insight. Two blue blue for a legendary enchantment. If you would draw a card, except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps draw two cards instead all right would you play would you pay an extra mana for this josh would you yeah. pay five mana to play this I've, card i've paid five mana for this card many times Earned it's ten. called yeah it's called all <laughs> hammer's archive i didn't even know this has a life gain clause on it yeah. i just thought our hammer's archive was it, it is the same effect yeah. um this is obviously very good uh it's in mono blue now so i mean like Typically, you're going to be playing blue in the deck that would want the Alhamer's Archive type effect. Um, so it's 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 just great. It's a redundant effect. If you have both this and Alhamer's Archive out, you're drawing lots wow. of cards. I mean, we've all seen the person wheel with Alhamer's, right? Like yes. that's happened to everybody now at this point, and it's devastating. Yeah. So the fact that the blue players, who also are the wheel players, have another Alhamer's Archive in their deck that's even cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. And yep. there's a lot of wheel decks now because they're wheelie, wheelie good. Wheelie good. Like thanks, Reality Everwise Thanks, Millie, again. for that, by the way. Yeah. That, I'm, gonna, I'm just using it forever now. I was thinking, I was like, it's wheelie, wheelie good. And I was thinking Looney Tunes and all that stuff. Um, the Gavi Nest Warden deck loves this as well. Instead of having to pay five for it, now and every time you cycle, you're drawing another card. Pretty sweet. Jeez Louise. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to say. The Riel... The Everwise we keep talking about. Yeah, let's just read her since we did not read her this this episode. This episode yet. Yet, yeah, sure. zero three one blue and a red. Uh, Riel gets plus one plus zero for each instant and sorcery card in the graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So just double it up. Yeah. So you you now you wheel, you draw fourteen, Ugh. but you discarded seven, so then you draw another fourteen. So a one <laughs> wheel draws you twenty eight cards. cards. Like insanity. Yeah. So yeah, Braylon, Shabraz, Arjun. The Locust God. Yeah. The new Teferi. New Teferi is really good at this because you loot on everybody's turn. Oh my gosh, you drank two, two, discard one. (laughs) That's pretty good. Because new Teferi needed some help. Um, All right. So how do we think that blue fair? Don't forget, we've got Baron, the Sanctum, and uh, Teferi. Teferi all by himself. Teferi almost have actually pushes, I think, like just to an A, yeah. And then you got Sublime Epiphany, Teferi is just inside. See See the the truth truth. is no joke. Discontinuity. Ghostly Pilfer is like, eh, whatever, but yeah, it's an, it's an A to an A plus. Yeah, it's an A. I, I, right? Let's it's talk hard about- to imagine a color having more powerhouse cards come out in a set than this. Outside of Baron and Ghostly Pilfer and maybe See the Truth, every single one of these cards is looking exactly. to be a staple. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see Discontinuity, Sublime Epiphany, Teferi's Aegis Insight, and Teferi a lot. And then the, lot. the, the, the Honden Gate Shrine. Sure, thing, yeah, the right? Sanctum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sanctum, okay. <laughs> yeah good job blue um yeah 
you know how we feel about this <laughs> that's for sure yeah all right let's move on to your favorite color now one thing i will say is that if you're looking at the video right now right. Right, you right. can see the number of red cards in front of us is very high. There's a lot of red cards to talk about, which is not generally the case. I would say red and white are generally like the, the lowest. Least, yeah. We'll t usually talk about six or seven from every color, but one will have five, maybe one will have four, and those are usually red and white. How many red cards we got? Ten red cards. That's wow. as many. That's We are starting from this point on, we're going to only talk about 20 more cards. Uh, Half the of them are set. red. Half of them are red. So that's a good sign. That's a good design. A I good like sign. that. And Red has some cool stuff going on in this set. Yeah, this first card actually you should read because I think this is a card that Josh Lee Kwai likes more than Jimmy Wong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's Brash Taunter. Four and a red for a 1-1 one, one Goblin with Indestructible. Whenever it is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponents. And then you pay two and a red and it fights another target creature. You, sorry, two and a red and tap it. So you can fight a big creature. It'll deal... You know what? It's an eight-eight. Yeah. Deals eight damage to Brash Taunter, and then you go boom. You take eight target opponent. Oof, jeez. It's, it's a stuffy doll. Yeah, but but better, right? Yeah, because the fight ability here is actually really relevant. Stuffy doll is a five mana artifact that is also indestructible. Has a similar text, but it can just tap to ping itself for one. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So Brash Taunter here, it's indestructible. It is just sitting there taunting the biggest thing on the, the planet. It basically says no, nobody can really attack me on the ground, right? Because they're just going to take that damage. Right. Unless they have <laughs> trample or something. And then it also, it can kill stuff if you could pump it in some way or something has one toughness because it does fight the thing. But even if it just hold up three mana tap every turn cycle, someone's going to take six. Yeah. Someone's going to take eight. Yeah, they got an Elder, Elder Gargaroth out. Yeah. It's just like six they're, damage, boom, three mana, six damage to you. And that's if you don't, you're in red, so you're going to have some other ways to, to increase that damage. Right, right, right. And that's obviously what this card is very good with. Cards like True Fire Captain and Boros. This is a similar type deck, which is the, I guess it's the stop hitting yourself type deck, Josh, mm -hmm. that you always wanted to make. Maybe it's more of reality now. Maybe. Uh, whenever True Fire Captain is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player. So you've got this sort of effect in now, like, who? how can we throw damage around other ways? Mm -hmm. um, Gideon Sacrifice is a white instant that does something similarly, uh, where it's like all damage that will be dealt to you or a permanent you control. A permanent you control is now dealt to a chosen permanent instead. Um, so there's like a lot of interesting things to do here with this card. Obviously, Torbran and all those cards are Torbran, just where you want to be. Because uh, every time it takes one, somebody takes three. Also, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's brutal. Uh, there's cards, we didn't write them down, but there's like Pariah. Oh, right. That is the same thing when you take damage it deals that much the, the creature takes the damage instead basically mm -hmm. so it's just going to constantly any damage you take funnel it into brash taunter which you funnel out to other things right right oh, um repercussion <laughs> this card by the way it just keeps getting better and better and it seems like it seems like wizards is just going full on into the let's do damage yeah let's just hurt people um clothis is actually really good here because at the pre beginning of your pre-combat main phase you exile target card from a graveyard you if it's a land card you add red or green otherwise you gain two life it deals two damage to each opponent so you're just creating the deck that's just like brash tauncher can fight the clothis and then do a bunch of damage to everyone everyone's just taking tons of damage oh that's true you can fight your own things i didn't yeah. even think about that so if you were like in a xenagos deck or something oh. double its power attack with it and then fight it with the brash taunter and throw that damage also i didn't even think that See? about fighting your own stuff so you can put big creatures in to guarantee you always have big stuff yeah 
Uh, it's also good with like Blasphemous Act. Doing 13 damage to each creature on the battlefield. As a boom. Oh my gosh. Several, yeah. Kills everything a breast counter stays alive. Someone takes an additional 13 on top of that. Um, we'll be talking about this card later, but Fiery Emancipation or any damage doubler here oh, is going to do a ton. Tripler. Damage tripler in this oh case. Oh my yeah. lord. Um, yeah. Star of Extinction, a board wipe that just kills everyone with a ton of damage. Oh, that's actually just someone's like Blasphemous Act kind of. Yeah, yeah, someone's taking tons of damage here, so... Yeah, I like this card quite a bit. Originally, I was like, ah, it's a five mana one one, but the fact that it's such a good blocker, yeah, I think actually, and then it also has additional utility of being able to like get the damage going itself. Maybe this. I wonder if this goes in my Tim deck because mm. it mean, does have a tap ability. It's a tap ability, yeah. and this is the kind of one that sometimes you just threaten lethal. Yeah, someone. Yeah, someone gets down to ten. Someone's like, go to combat. My creatures. He- I have a Paco. Yeah, that is now a twelve twelve. You're like, I I could just kill you with it. Just need to get taunted because. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're flipping the cards off everybody's deck and hoping they they get only creatures because they yeah. can't afford for it to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think Jimmy thinks about this card? I think Jimmy likes it a lot. Jimmy likes it a lot, yeah. but not as much as Josh. Yeah, because I this is just not definitely the thing more I'm of a shenanigans doing. card. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that word's been taken from us. <laughs> All right, next up, Chandra's Incinerator. This card's kind of funny. It looks like something that was drawn like 15 years ago. I actually like. It's when you look at it. Then you look at it again, you're like, oh, that's what it is. It's one of those. Yeah, I, I like this a lot, though. I like the throwback arts um, or styles. Five and red for a 6-6 six, six creature elemental. This spell costs X less to cast, where X is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponents this turn. So with Brash Taunter, this could just cost red very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Trample, and whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, Chandra's Incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or Planeswalker that player controls. So anytime any source of yours deals da- non-combat damage to an opponent, so opponent. So again, Brash Tantra would work, uh, burn spells, any of those blasphemous act type spells we said, and then this da- this card does that much damage to a creature or planeswalker. So it's just sort of like kind of damage doubling it. I feel like. Yeah, it's it can't throw the damage back at players. It only turns it turns player damage into like removal, yeah. right, for creatures and planeswalkers. But you're right; it has a lot of usages because anything that's non-combat becomes or anything that's non-combat at players becomes like, you know, mm-hmm. removal, which can be really, really good. It's, you know, even like Nekusar or something, right? Because that's non-combat damage and you just, oh, I'm going to kill that, these little things oh, on right. the board. I'm going to kill these Oracle of Moldias and these Timnas and crap. Yeah, draw one card. Okay, ping that thing for one. Yeah. Draw another card this turn, that thing's going to die now. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of incidental ways. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you can do bigger things that are going to make it do more damage. This is the card with repercussion that's crazy, right? Yes, because now, okay, repercussion, whenever a creature is dealt damage, repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller. So anytime a creature is dealt damage in combat now, and it's going to deal non-combat damage through repercussion to their controller. And then Chandra's incinerator is going to trigger and deal even more damage to another creature or just basically but, start pinging things off the planet. Yeah, that, that's just a, that's it. It's not infinite, but it's going to, basically kill everything right because you deal oh right you're right you attack with something if they if they block i guess they don't even have to block if you just like pinged because it's repercussion doesn't care about combat damage right Right. if a creature is dealt damage repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller so repercussions dealing damage so let's say you just had a tim for one damage tim their creature repercussion says boom hit the the controller shunner's incinerator says that's non-combat damage to a player i'm gonna hit a creature you hit the creature and that repercussion. says repercussion hit the player the player starts incinerated oh that's non-combat damage. hit the creature oh i'm gonna hit the player yeah. and then you just do that and kill every creature and probably kill most of the players on the board depending on how many, how many creatures are out yeah you can do a lot of damage with this obviously when the creature dies but hey look if you have a if they have an indestructible creature 
you stack all the damage on that thing, and then that's an infinite damage loop to someone right there. This is also, we, we talked about, <laughs> I think we noticed as we were talking about the last card. Yeah. Clothis is another, this is where Clothis should be mentioned, not yeah, for the yeah, Brass Taunter. Because yeah. <laughs> it does the damage to the player. Right, it's just non-combat damage. And then to it's going to trigger a Chandra's Incinerator. Yep. And so you can just kind of go back and forth. And even Clothis playing this on turn three, turn four, this now costs two less because Chandra's oh, yeah. Incinerator. Actually, no, it costs up to six less if you have three opponents because it's the amount of non-combat damage dealt to target your opponents oh, this to turn. your opponents this turn. Yeah. So it'll only deal two. Oh, this is weird word. Because cloth is going to deal two to, let's say, three different players. So that's six and damage. That's six damage. Incinerator costs red. Right. But then when it deals the two damage when it's out, it says whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent. Right. So when it deals two, two then, that's just two just damage two. all at once. So it'll, it'll throw two damage at a creature, not six damage at yeah. that point. But this makes this insanely easy to cast the turn after you play Clothis. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, beginning of your pre-combat main phase. Yeah. So you have to cast it and get back to your upkeep into your first pre-combat yeah, main phase. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, Chandra's Incinerator doesn't care when the damage happened as long as it's this turn, right? Yep. This goes, I think, <clears throat> automatically into a Perforos deck. Mm. Uh, it's, right, anytime oh, a creature God. comes in, it's going to do two damage to each opponent, right? Oh, One yeah. creature, again, Chandra's Incinerator costs red because it's six damage has been done to your opponents. And then from there on out... <laughs> and then when you play this, it'll trigger Perforos dealing non-combat damage, so then it'll shock something right then. Right then and there, yeah, as you cast it. And you cast it for red. Oh, it's really good in Perforos. Yeah. Uh, as if Perforos needed more friends, a uh, shout out to our, our game nights... Rurikthar the Unbowed here. Oh, yeah, Matthew. Whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, Rurikthar deals six damage to that player. Smash! 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 Artifact! Bad bitch! <laughs> and again, that's just one non-creature spell. Chandra's Accelerator now costs red. And now, anytime they cast a non-creature spell... They're taking... They not only take six, but then you kill a creature, basically, because that's six damage to a creature or playing yeah. yeah, that's going to kill almost everything. Yeah, so... Uh, I like this. Red, red's going nuts with damage here. Count me in. Uh, Pyrohemia, Pestilence, really, really good with yep. this because it is a 6-6. Six, six, so it will survive, and that's non-combat damage that you then basically throw just at Just throw, creatures. keep throwing at things. You're going to do a, a... Basically, damage-based board wipes is now Red's bread and butter here. Uh, Rakdos, Lord of Riots, cares about non-combat damage. I can see it going in that deck. Right. Obosh. Yes, another Obosh. Deck we talked about recently. I can see it going in that deck. It's an even CMC card, but... The effect is exactly. significant, yeah. yeah I, that that deck, like Zoju, the the Punisher and stuff, every time they play a land, you deal two damage to one of their creatures. You know That means no small creatures can stick around, right? Honestly, I think if you're running this in any of these decks we talked about, it's mm. never going to cost six. This is going to cost two or three at the most, most times. So Which is great, because it has a really relevant ability, and it's a 6-6. Six, 6-6 six. Six, six Trampler. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I Jimmy like Wong likes this card a lot, too. Oh, yeah. How do I think Jimmy likes this card? I think he loves it. Yeah, I definitely love this one. Okay. Okay. Next up, we have the Conspicuous Snoop. Okay. Goblin fans. A lot of people talk about this yes, one. Yes, yeah. there's a lot to do here. It's red, red for a 2 2 Goblin Rogue. It says, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast Goblin spells from the top of your library. And as long as the top card of your library is a Goblin card, Conspicuous Snoop has all activated abilities of that card. So this harkens to a lot of different cards over the years, uh, but this card advantage from the top of your library for goblins thing is, mm -hmm. is kind of new it's very new um this would be an automatic include pretty much in any goblin deck yep kiki jiki right so this oh. has 
the activated abilities of that card. If Kikiji is on the top of your deck, Conspicuous Snoop becomes a copy of that card. Now, the card that people are most talking about with this would just be the Goblin Recruiter. Mm -hmm. So this is a one or red goblin. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for any number of goblin cards and reveal those cards, shuffle your library, and then put them on top of it in any order. So there's a few things you can do here. Um, because you're you're copying the activated abilities, there's a lot you can do. If you have a Skirk Prospector, for instance, this is a card that lets you sacrifice a goblin to add red. Um, if you have then a Torch Courier, which is a card that allows you to sacrifice it and then another target creature gains haste until end of turn. And then you can have a Kiki-Jiki on top with a Goblin Sharpshooter. And then all of a sudden, you're giving all of these cards a lot of haste. You're casting from the top of your library because you're continually making copies of it because you now have a Kiki-Jiki combo. You can stack them for mana. You can do basically anything you want. You can cast like every card every goblin in your deck from that point out with a few of these with the combo like this yeah it's super combo tastic it's really good obviously it's a goblin only card right like this yes. card doesn't do a lot if you're not in a goblin deck because only the first line of text which is show the top card for your library to everybody to, like if you don't have any other goblins the rest of the text doesn't do anything yeah yeah but, but in every deck with what, have 25 plus goblins? Yeah, if you're a goblin deck, you're going to be running all the goblins, Cranko and all those guys. Um, goblin Recruiter is the big combo piece yeah. here because you get to stack it, and then boom, you get to sort of play the cards off the top of your library, use all the activated abilities because of the Snoop. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I think Jimmy likes it. Yeah, one of my first commander decks was... <laughs> We're not very good at Kiki -jiki. this game where we guess what the other person likes because the other person keeps going, I love this card, and yeah. then before we it does, the guess. It does say a lot that all of the cards so far were like, hey. This is cool. This is cool, okay. Yeah. Thank you for doing this to Red. We appreciate it. All right, the next one is a type of effect we've been seeing a lot more recently. It's called Double Vision, three red red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I'm Yay. Gonna, I'm going to guess Jimmy likes it but doesn't love it. This isn't yeah. necessarily your type of deal. I think it's a tiny bit overcast, overcosted, but mm -hmm. at the same time, this is an enchantment that is going to stick around for a while. Um, typically, I'm not playing these types of effects that much, right? If I'm running, I'm the type of player that if I run dual caster mage in my deck, it's so I can counter your counter. Right. It's not so I can like combo off with my sublime epiphany. Yeah, I'd rather win in a silly way, you know, than just, okay, hey, I, I did a thousand damage to everyone. Does the everyone stack live? interactions get really complicated with cards like this because yes. forking forks is usually what you, you know it is it's forking awesome when you do it but at the same time <laughs> it could be forking confusion confusing yes very much so uh, we talked about this a lot when we talked about calamax and that deck so i don't know if we want to like retread all that ground but i think anybody who's watched our show for a bit knows yeah, that we just brush over it fast here yeah that forks anything that's going to automatically fork stuff usually when you add a fork to that mix you add something that copies to it now the copy the thing that's copying things gets copied and it targets the original thing that was copying things and makes another copy and this is a way to just really quickly create infinite copies of the copy effect yeah and then now all you need is a way to weaponize that and there's things like calamax there's ral storm conduit there's a whole bunch of ways now to basically say oh if you can create infinite copies of a thing you can win the game off that and double vision mm -hmm. is just another way to sort of get that going i guess yep so some of the heavy hitters in this category uh calamax the storm sire lightning but uh, Rowl the Storm Conduit, Fury Storm, Cast Distant Mage, Vile Smasher the Fierce here. Interesting. You could really mm. just get a bunch of big spells, right? That's less forking your own thing less and forking, more just yeah. like, yeah, just like Feather players are really excited about this. Yeah, Feather, because every thing you cast, you get a two of it. Trip, you, yep. And you can't trip twice, you get the card back. Um, I, I don't think it's actually that good in Feather, though, because you don't want to pay five mana. 
True. At that point. Generally, you're like, you want to kill somebody with, once you get to like feathers out, you have six mana. Yeah. In general though, this seems like a decent card here and I appreciate what it's doing. I mean, here's a, here's the thing. If somebody casts double vision and passes the turn, you got to kill them or kill double vision. They'll win the, on their next turn. Yeah. Almost every time. They have the ability to. It's, one of those, it's like yeah. th- it's like casting Kiki Jiki and being like, past turns, like, well, should we let Kiki survive? Yeah, it's like, Mario will eh. probably be fine, right? No, yeah, it won't no, be fine. No, 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 You're no, going to no. die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that card says win the game on it, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> In a thousand different ways, too. You can't even predict what's about to happen. It is basically Kiki, but for spells, right? It's copying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Double vision. Yeah. Your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. I am. No Kiki on the card, though. Can't see him there, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. This next one, uh, uh, creating quite a bit of buzz. I like this one. You, uh, uh, Jimmy likes this are one. Are you kidding me? This card Jimmy is, loves this one. This card is not just great. It's hilarious. <laughs> because <laughs> green gets cards that are like, triple your mana. Yeah. Red gets fiery emancipation. Three red, red, red for an enchantment. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. <laughs> We're in the age of tripling. Yeah, right? <laughs> and this is, because we had Nix Blue Mansion and whatever... And this is the damage tripler, and boy, it's going to do a lot of damage. Yes, this thing is going to just... And six mana, right? Like, Furnace of Wrath is four mana. Dictate of the Twin Gods is five mana. For one extra mana, you can get triple the damage. And I think unlike Nyx Bloom Ancient and some other things, it's harder to take advantage of, like, Nyx Bloom Ancient the turn you play it. Yeah. Fiery Emancipation, if you just have some creatures out... Swing. You cast it and swing... So you can get the advantage of it like right then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you got a, a one creature that's decent size with trample is going to become lethal immediately with this thing. It's funny. Maelstrom Wanderer, because it cascades, if you cast Fire Emancipation off Maelstrom Wanderer, who is a 7-5, that's an instant kill with your Boom. commander because it's 7 times Done. 3 <laughs> if you have blockers or whatever. Yeah, this is... You know how um, Crater Hoof is probably the last thing a lot of commander players see you know <laughs> right right this will be the last thing a, a lot, lot of commander, commander players, players see yeah ah, you I play like that. it that's the last thing you see before you die <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true i mean right I, I i think this is the right way to yes. theme it here green needs to swing in with big butts to kill you with trample red's trying to do straight damage to your face and this is a card that is on the same power level i would argue as crater hoof behemoth um, it's, it's probably not quite as good, which I think is good. Crater Hoof's probably a little above the threshold that we would want normal cards to hit. Yeah. But this is just very useful to red and very good. Well, if I like to think about, like, you play this as an enchantment, it's going to be there for a while unless someone gets rid of it immediately. With Crater Hoof, if you only have, like, two creatures out, there is a chance you can't kill everyone. That's true. With Fire Emancipation, at least when you get damaging, it's going to have some effect. I guess Crater Hoof too, right? Even yeah. on, I guess at its worst, it's still doing... It, having a big effect on the board. So is, is the same goes here for Fire Emancipation. I mean, this is like double vision though, right? Like if right. they cast it in past turn, you better kill the Fire Emancipation or kill them because you will die. You will die indeed. Jimmy likes this card. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. This is I, I play Furnace I like this card. This is a yeah, sweet card. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, it's, another sweet card. It's Terror of the Peaks. It's three red red for a five four dragon flying, of course, but not legendary. It says, spells your opponents cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional three life to cast. And then whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. So if you play a 4-4 with this out, Terror of the Peaks uh, hits something for four. Any target. This is Warstorm Surge on a creature, costs one less mana, and is a 5-4 flying dragon with really sweet art. And that's actually, you know, a little hard to remove. At least they're going to have to take some damage to do it. Yeah, that's right. 
it costs an additional three life to cast, so it doesn't uh, work with Fire Emancipation. No. But I think this card is just great. Again, I like, mean, the other side works with Fire Emancipation, though. We'll deal triple when, damage. When you deal triple damage, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, look, whenever another creature ends the battlefield under your control, you play this in your Perforos deck for sure. Now you're making 20 low tokens. They're doing two damage each, and the tokens are doing damage through Terror of the Peaks as well. It's like this thing's saying they're just spitting out fireballs. Oh, yeah, that's what it's doing, right? It's yeah. like. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with creatures coming in. They're like, fire! <laughs> <laughs> or it's just so stoked that friends are here. It's like, yes, yes, yes! Um, and it's any target, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, in general, just being able to do it, if it was only the creatures or planeswalkers, it'd be a little worse. It'd still be good. But this is a five-mana dragon. That, that I think that makes it like close to Perforos power, though, because Perforos right. can't target creatures and stuff. Oh, right just opponents yeah but sometimes you're like okay i really need to kill that thrasios mm -hmm. and then i'll go after this player yeah perforos is each opponent terror of the peaks is just one target so yeah. that's that's good that's yeah good pretty powerful um i think like if you have a dragon deck you just play this lathless is a perfect include because you get a five five with terror of the peaks when it comes in so mm -hmm. it just does that damage immediately Utvara Hellkite is just pooping out dragons left and right <laughs> You're just doing tons of damage. The Ur-Dragon. The Ur-Dragon. Oh, this goes infinite with Seki Season's Guide, which is a green card. It's five green, green, green for a legendary creature, Spirit 0, zero. Enters the battlefield with eight plus one, plus one counters on it. If damage will be dealt to Seki, prevent that damage, remove that many 1-1 one, one counters, and create that many 1-1 one, one colorless spirit creature tokens. And then you can sack eight spirits to return Seki from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, so you play Seki, you deal... Eight, eight damage to it, to it you that, get eight one ones you sack the eight one ones to bring seki back out which does eight damage to seki which infinite but that's infinitely you need something else to right. you need a perforos you need impact tremors right you need some things that basically just go hard with this card but that's infinite amount of creatures entering the battlefield entering the battlefield going to their graveyard right there's lots of different things that go infinite there um living death one of my favorite board wipes because you exile all creature cards from their graveyard and then you sack all creatures to control then you put all cards you exile this way onto the battlefield mm -hmm. so you just order it that terror of the peaks is there and everyone slaps it on the way in like it's a freaking football game and they're getting tagged in oh, like that, that's, <laughs> yeah if you do the living death thing like, special like, teams yeah. <laughs> um and there's so many cards you can put into obosh now josh yeah because it's an odd cmc so yeah. with obosh it deals double the damage when you play a creature which is pretty insane and actually it'll deal even more than yeah, yeah it'll deal yeah. double yeah yeah double yeah yeah um yeah this was another azuri's predation target oh gosh because with <laughs> with terror of the peaks out azuri's predation you make seven eight nine four fours boom that's 36 damage that yeah. terror of the peaks gets to throw around and those triggers will go off before the fight thing right right for each creature your opponent's control create a four four green beast creature token and then each of those beasts fights a different one of those creatures i believe the creatures and the battlefield and the fight triggers come at the same time i'm not sure or they i think enter the fight might target? have to resolve first actually well, because you have to resolve the entirety of this spell i'm not sure we're not judges but either way you still yeah. get all that extra damage to throw somewhere you know you do you just kill them before they fight any of their creatures and, <laughs> <laughs> and you get all the four fours hey cool um yeah this you can also get into those grave crawler loops yep right where a grave crawler can't block it's a one mana two one and you can cast it from a graveyard that's only to control a zombie so you cast it sack it to frexian altar cast it cast it cast it cast it tear each time it's dealing the damage the two damage to it's your opponents yep kills everything works with perforos too um, and then we have our favorite Hornet Nest and Sporeweb Weaver that we talked about last time. So just give those indestructible and you make a lot of little one ones. Yeah, because that's an infinite amount of tokens with either one and infinite life with the Sporeweb Weaver too. Because if they have indestructible, right. here you get Basri Ket out, plus one it, boom, give them indestructible, 
Terror of the Peaks, you know, you make a, a, a spider that stuff. deal the one damage back to the thing. It makes another spider deal the one damage, damage. make another spider, gain, the you know, infinite life. Give it haste, <clears> swing out with a bunch of spiders. Yeah, this, the Hornet Nest Sporeweb spider combos are just everywhere. <laughs> They're really good too. That's, that's what got. That was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> it's funny how you're doing these these set reviews and like you you come up with a combo or an idea and then you keep seeing it. Yeah, because it's right. forefront of your mind, not yeah, because yeah, it's actually yeah. good. But it's like, oh yeah, that would work again here. Oh, it would work with this card. Oh yeah, yeah. In this case, it because every <clears throat> single card that's red here is pretty much pointing towards the same direction, which is just do lots of damage. All these combos are just very obvious. So I think Jimmy likes that card. Yeah, I definitely do. It's a dragon, too. Putting it straight into the old Drago deck. All right, here's the next card. It's called Traitorous Greed. Three and a red for a sorcery. You gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. Add two mana of any one color to your mana pool. So if you have to have four mana to cast it, but it rebates you for two. So this is a two mana threaten effect. Yeah. A two mana treachery. Two mana act of treason. So, I mean, two mana is pretty good. At what point is it efficient enough that you would play this without other synergies in deck? I think these, this effect is underrated. I've won games right. with this type of effect. Sometimes it's just one creature, too, that's yeah. holding you back. If you switch control of an Elishnor, and guess what? You get the plus and they lose it. And a lot of times that'll flip the whole game and you kill somebody right then where you wouldn't have. A lot of times, too, like... You could attack, mm-hmm. but you just need a little bit more damage. You take out their biggest blocker and swing at them with it. With and, it, And yeah. that's a lot. You know, that's a 15-point life swing. Well, it would have to be 16-point life swing or whatever. And so I think, you know, two mana is getting close. Like, if it was one red mana threaten, I think Jeez. you'd always play it. Yeah. So is two mana threaten close i think so because one you can change let's say you're a, a, a deck that wants to be able to sometimes cast a little harder to cast things maybe that two mana was, is relevant right mm-hmm. now it's a two mana effect and you have four other lands that are untapped so you get that you can tap now for six basically for something to cast something else it also any color of mana so it can fix you there too yeah exactly and and i think red you know in general you're playing more sack outlets in red type decks mm. so you steal the card and and sack it that's like kind of the the ultimate combo move with threat and effects it is sorcery speed, so you have to look at cards. Like, you wrote down Ray of Command, which is a blue version of this. It's three and a blue for an instant to do that same thing. That, um, that's the closest playable threat and effect that I have played sometimes. Right. And it's because it's an instant. And I was curious, like, yeah, the the um, comparison of these two cards. Because instant makes it a lot better, right? Because you can steal somebody else's card, block with it, and two for one, your opponents. Jeez. Uh so I was curious, like, is it better than Ray of Command? Because Ray of Command is real fringe playable. It's good mm-hmm. when it's good, but sometimes it does nothing. I think I can see this being played, but I do think you want to be the kind of deck that can do something with the creature other than just, like, hope it gets their last blocker out of the way. So you want to sack it, you want to mm-hmm. fling it, you want to do something to it. Yeah, that's a good point. If you have, how many sack outlets? Four or five in your deck? This probably becomes pretty good. Yeah, if you're in a mono red deck again, right, you got Goblet Bombardment, you have the Altars, that's three right there. And then you could play Altar of Frexia or Frexian Altar. You know, and you so. would play a two-mana spell that says destroy target creature. That's in pretty red. good. Yeah. And the fact that it also says hit them with it first, <laughs> you know, or something like that is also good. And also when you're sacking things, you're usually getting mm-hmm. something for sacking it too. So it's actually giving you mana, mana or, yeah. you know, something. Yeah. So I actually like this card quite a bit. And it gains haste that untaps. So you can also use activated abilities there too. So there, there, I think there's a lot more flexibility with this card. Typically, these are the kind of cards that you kind of glance over, but yeah. The fact that it says two mana on it, pretty much. Interesting. 
All right, next up, Transmogrify is three in red for a sorcery. Exile target creature. That creature's controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts that card onto the battlefield and shuffles the rest into their library. So this is three in a red, single target removal at sorcery speed for red. And then it gives you or an opponent the next creature in their deck. You can transmogrify your own thing to know what's coming up. Or you can transmogrify theirs and hope you don't hit anything crazy. Yeah, so it's very similar to Chaos Warp, but it hits only creatures. It's a sorcery, but does exile the thing that you hit. So there's no chance to flip over the thing that you hit, which Chaos Warp can do. (laughs) Uh, And you're guaranteed to get a creature with this, whereas Chaos Warp can sometimes flip an instant or sorcery. Oh, this just goes until it finds the next creature. yeah. Yeah, so which makes it more useful on your own stuff. Yeah, you know, I wish it were an instant. Um, I think this is right in that like five to six power level and it's going to be easily accessible for people that don't, you know, maybe they just want another effect in red that does something similar or you're the kind of deck that, you know, you're a red green beaters deck and you want to get the next huge thing out of your deck. But you have to lose two cards to do it because you're losing the thing that you and target. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe if you had tokens and stuff, mm-hmm. it could be pretty good. I, the fact that this is a sorcery basically takes it off the table as something I'd be willing to play ever because the whole advantage you get or the only way you want to play removals is if, if it's an instant so that you can respond when something's attacking you or doing something to you because sometimes they're not you don't know who they're going to attack mm-hmm. and then you don't want to use it and the fact that you have to preemptively at sorcery speed use this I, don't, I just don't like it yeah and you could potentially flip over like an ulamog or an eldrazi so there yeah. are some downsides you here. could make your life worse rather than better yeah so jimmy wong does not like this card as much yeah it's clearly. okay okay the next one is interesting it's volcanic salvo 10 red red so 12 mana sorcery this spell costs x less to cast where x is the total power of creatures you control ah oh all added together too so if you have five two twos this will cost just red red and it says volcanic salvo deals six damage to each of up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers for something that's 12 mana and a sorcery the first thing that comes to mind is why can't this hit players True, could it at least finish them off? It's just too good and like limited and stuff then probably. Yeah. But it's a rare, so they could do that. Yeah. Maybe I mean, too, maybe even too good for standard. Who knows? I'd say a good like, you know, modest case scenario is you have five power worth of creatures out, which is seven mana to deal six divided twice. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, Blasphemous Act again counts the power of creatures across the entire battlefield. This is only on your side. 12 mana, probably not great. Yeah. I'd rather play the one that you sack two lands and you can deal four damage instead of paying the mana cost. I forget the name of it. It's fire something. It's all fiery in the end. All right. The last red card we're going to talk about here is Unleash Fury. Surprisingly good, I think. One in a red instant. Double the power of target creature until end of turn. Uh, so similar to like Teamer Battle Rage or Rage, something like yeah. that. But that's just Double Strike, right? Double Strike, which doubles the power basically, right? Yeah. I mean, this can have other usage. Doubling the power is better if you're going to Chandra's Ignition or some other things. So I do think that's good. Um, but the fact that it's an instant and can just kill people out of nowhere is pretty strong. This is the kind of card that you want to stack on your Greven, I would say. Yes. Because Greven gets plus X plus O. He's Menache, by the way, just so you know. Uh, where X is the amount of life you've lost this turn, and whenever Greven attacks, you may sack another creature if you draw cards equal to that creature's power, and you lose life equal to that creature's toughness. So, so it's nice. It's I mean, not you like played a giant my, growth, right? Yeah, it's just the power here. You've played against my Greven deck a lot, and it's very often swinging for 11+, plus, mm-hmm. which means that 
now two mana just fin- just kill somebody. Yeah, and if you don't want to do that, you just double the power of like your weird six one creature, and you're drawing drawing twelve cards and losing one. Oh, life. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's great, and it doesn't pow- double the toughness. So it'll, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So that's good in two scenarios with Grevin. I like that. Yeah. You know, Xenagos, Xenagod, those type of decks double it, then Xenagos will double it again. So you, this is a, a quadruple up. Lay down the smackdown. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's an instant, you will kill some people out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Team or Battle Rage sees actually quite a bit of play in those style decks, and some decks want two of those, and I would say this is a good second one. Team or Battle Rage does sometimes give Trample, which I think makes it a little bit better, but this, right. like we said, has some other usages with some other cards, like Grevin. Team or Battle Rage won't double the power of the thing you're sacking and mm-hmm. draw you more cards, so yeah, that, that might even out and make them about the same. Maybe Feather likes this deck as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, let's take a look at red here. Uh, I wrote A originally, just like this is an A. There's yeah. more than three cards we can talk about, and you want to play a few of them. I'm going to actually take that down a little bit, um, just because the just last because blue few was were, an A, and it's not blue quite was as an good A. Blue. Yeah, it's not as quite as good as blue, but I do I do like that they are. It seems like we're buying into this uh, the direction here that that you kind of called out. Actually, we want to do more damage in red. And let's scale it properly, right, for multiplayer, and it yeah. feels like that's what the, the plan they're on. Yeah, yeah, I do like the direction they've been going with red for the last few years. I think. They noticed that red was weak a few years ago and have worked really hard to sort of correct that, and it's and it's and it's working. Yeah, impulsive draws their response yeah. to card draw. It's more than we've seen for white, and instead of big creatures or big whatevers, it's value goblins and damage doublers and damage triplers and stuff. Yeah, so I like that direction. Um, there's no Teferi level card. There's no Sublime Epi- Sublime Epiphany level card. Fire Emancipation is probably the closest to that, and it is very good. There's only one instant out of these 10 cards, right? Yeah, that's a little bit, yeah, scary. Um, what do you give it then? You downgrade it to what? I think a B plus. Yeah, I'm going to say B plus, A minus. It's, very, it's good. I'm happy with where Red's at here. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and they got a lot of cards, so that's good too. All right, we got a lot more cards to talk about today. We just went through half of the remaining ones in red alone. There's black, there's multicolor, there's artifact, and there's a single land that we'll be talking about. But before we get there, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we're back. It's the M21 set review. We're on the home stretch here. We've got just 10 more cards to go. We're going to go finish off the colors first. We're going to be talking about the black cards, and there's only a few of them to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start off with Hooded Blight Fang. Two and a black for a 1-4 snake with death touch. Whenever a creature you control with death touch attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. 
Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a Planeswalker, destroy that Planeswalker. So Death Ah. Touch for Planeswalkers. Death Touch Tribal, we've seen more of this sort of keyword tribal uh, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. We have some Keywords Manache. are just important these days. Yeah, we have some Manache tribal. We're getting some <laughs> Death Touch tribal. We've had some of this. Uh, this definitely encourages you to play more Death Touchy creatures. Yeah. Um, We've seen this effect as well, the second one, when the creature you control deals damage to a Planeswalker, destroy that Planeswalker with Vraska Swarm's Eminence because she makes these little 1-1 black assassin creatures with Death Touch. Uh, and that's also in the Death Touch tribal world. I think Pestilence Spirit might have been the first time that the that we were sort of being signaled that Death Touch Trouble might be a thing. It's this interesting two in the black three two with Menace and Death Touch. Instant and sorcery spells you control have Death Touch, so any amount of damage they deal to a creature is enough to destroy it. So I could see an interesting like black red Death, Death Touch, Touch tribal. tribal. Don't let any of the none of your things live type deck. Don't you have to be in green though, so you can play the Vraska and stuff too? So, yeah. so maybe it's more. So like- maybe it's yeah. It's Solta. No, no what no, is no. that? Uh, it's uh, black, red, green. It's it's Jund. Jund. I said junk. <laughs> it's Jund. It's Jund. Um, Okran Assassin is a woman with death touch. All creatures able to block Okran Assassin do so. And Oran Frostfang. You're right. You do have to play green for this. Um, mm-hmm. It's a snow creature, three green, green, attacking creatures you control death touch. Um, and similar to what Bow of Nylea does as well, which is give your attacking creatures death touch. Yeah, I think uh, giving... You know, you're going to be in a Death Touch deck. You're going to want enough Death Touch in the deck to even consider playing this. And I don't know if we're quite at a critical mass of Death Touch Matters payoffs yet yeah. for that deck to really exist. But if you wanted to try it, I think good cards in that deck would be uh, ones that turn your Death Touchers into pingers. We talk about this a lot. So Viridian Longbow and Thornbite Staff. Even better with Hooded Blightfang because when a creature you control Death Touch deals damage to a Planeswalker, it doesn't say combat damage. Oh. So you could ping the Planeswalkers and kill them. Wow. Too. So that would be pretty good if you can turn them into Tims, basically. I Do you think. think they did that on purpose? Because I hope so. Right, the first one is about attacking, and the one, second one just says deals damage. Yeah. All they had to put was the word combat in there, and it'd be way worse, but I love that. That's great. So uh, Hornet Queen, too, mm-hmm. cause, just because you want a lot of Death Touchers, and that creates a bunch of them. Hornet Nest, we keep mentioning. Maybe <laughs> Hornet Nest stock is going to go up here. You know, bees are pretty help- helpful. Yeah. Maybe so, not Hornets, but... So this is a way to, to make more Death Touchers, because you just want, like, five, six Death Touchers out to get a, a lot of that trigger on the drain ability. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this card, I think, is is fine. right in the middle. It's fine, uh, but it definitely is opening a door, and we'll see how far that door gets kicked open in the next, i It seems say, like year. the door is just a little open now. Yeah, and it's we like can open- see in. <laughs> it's opening one, one, one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peer into the abyss, talking about seeing into something. Uh, maybe the newest, creepiest art ever? What do you think? It's pretty creepy. It's pretty creepy. If we ever do a Halloween episode like that again, this is, gonna, this is on the list, right? Yeah, seriously. This is how I feel like when I wake up after a day in quarantine, just <laughs> eating so much the last day <laughs> i'm just like oh uh, why did i do that to myself yeah. all right this is four black 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 for a sorcery target player draws cards equal to half the number of cards in their library and loses half their life and you're going to round up each time to do so so seven mana pretty much draw all the cards yourself or make someone else do it and lose a bunch of life probably draw like around 40 cards yeah and then lose half your life yeah you're gonna want to you're gonna want to ramp this out if you're doing it um if you're doing it to other people well hey your your necrosar deck loves this right uh yeah i'm not sh- yeah yeah because it just kills somebody right like <laughs> just almost every time spell, yeah. it's like play this kill you even if you have 60 cards left you'll draw 30 take 30 from necrosar and then well you'll draw 30 take half your life and then Take, take 30 from necrosar for drawing the 30 right yeah there's no way you live past that right i don't think so and then uh 
psychosis crawler is the inverse mm-hmm. where it's for every one you draw your opponents take that many so you would point it at yourself there you go draw 40 hopefully and then kill everybody or 30 and maybe it's later in the game so everybody's taking some damage yeah if you have villas broker of blood i think you almost deck yourself doing this because whenever you lose life and you're oh, losing yeah. life here <laughs> you draw a card yeah so you're gonna lose half that life and you're gonna draw that much life uh, cards, i think you do die right like, unless you're rounding up so if you had like 10 cards you have 11 cards in your library you're gonna go down the wait you draw six right because you're rounding right, up six yeah oh, you died you just died <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what your life tolls out if it's at four when you do that then yeah, i think you live yeah yeah right because you only lose two, two and then yeah, yeah. yeah interesting uh narset parter of veils each just, opponent can't draw more than one card each turn so this just says uh lose half your life loses half their life or draws one card yeah okay <laughs> that's not uh, i don't think i would play it just for that no but, i don't think so yeah. oh <laughs> This card is a card that Alice Kessler introduced me to, and it was very Oh, this is a CEDH card, yeah. too. Like Notion this. Thief. Yeah. Two blue, black, three, one, flash. I mean, the opponent would draw a card, except the first one they draw on each of their draw steps. Instead, that player skips that draw, and you draw a card. So, so <laughs> you point this at them, they lose half their life, and then you draw the cards. Yeah, they only draw, yeah, they don't draw any of the cards, because yeah. it's outside of their first draw step. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Good job, Notion Thief. Uh, I like Horizon Chimera because whenever you draw a card, you gain a life. Oh, hey. So you're going to be up life probably after this is all over. Yeah, so this I is like that. seven mana, right? Oh, Niv Mizzet Perun, another one. Whenever you draw a card, it deals one damage to any target. Yep. Fire Mind, same thing. Right, right, right. So you'd point it at yourself, draw the card, maybe finish off player. Kill someone else. These out. last two, I think, are probably the best ones. Um, it's Psychic Corrosion and Sphinx's Tutelage. Ah. So whenever you draw a card for Psychic Corrosion, uh, each opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard oh so half your deck times would, two times two is probably going to mill them out everyone right, right? and yeah. then sphinx's tutelage is whenever you draw a card target opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard however if they're both non-lands that share a color you repeat the process so you're going to draw 40 cards they're going to do that 40, 40 times. times there's but, a pretty and then yeah. like and you it, can point out another person after that person's t- right so Gosh, resolving this is going to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> Psychic corrosion is a lot easier to resolve. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so appear into the abyss. It's seven mana. Obviously, this is not a do nothing card, uh, but it is seven mana. Seven mana. Yeah. So uh, you know you have to look and be like, all right, is it better to cast omniscience types effects in my deck, or am I looking to play appear into the abyss and have to combo it with something else? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit. It, it looks really flashy and awesome, but it's not actually that great. I think. Yeah, but there will be decks I think where it's going to be okay. Yeah, and it's just an instant win. In a lot of decks too so or at least an instant kill one player yeah yeah and again if you're at seven mana and you're comboing off with another card that's i'd say a pretty standard that's like totally area. fine that's yeah. around the time if you could do seven mana plus something else then games probably should be ending anyway right yeah <laughs> all right the next card is the last black card we're going to talk about it's liliana's standard bearer two and a black for a three one zombie knight with flash when it enters the battlefield draw x cards where x is the number of creatures that died under your control this turn hmm Kind of cool. I like this. Uh, I I thought zombies were like slow, so flash <laughs> doesn't make a ton of sense. That's a really good. Point. And he's just like, uh, yeah. like it has flash. And like doesn't look like it. It's one of those zombies from twenty eight days later. It's not the other. Oh zombies. yeah, or or uh, the new um, was it uh, the World War Z zombies? Yeah, They're it's not the Walking Dead zombies. The sprinters. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I thought about my Marchesa deck, obviously, because you can sack this card, and then it could come back into the battlefield if you're sacking like three creatures with plus and plus some counters. Yep. Then you're gonna draw X number of cards where all those cards creatures that died in control this turn so there's a little bit of play there anytime you're sacking your own creatures aristocrats in mm-hmm. general this is probably going to be playable because a lot of times it's like ah, oh, sack these four things get some amount of value flashes in draw four cards yeah yeah um the grave crawler loop we talked about before again now you can draw 
right? Means for like- four mana, pretty much, you play the Gravecrawler, sack it to Phyrexian Altar over and over again, and you can flash in Lily on Standard Bear, and you could draw like 90 cards. Yeah, if you want as to. many as you feel like. As many as you feel like, yeah. yeah. Um, Living Death, once again, this is a card that, again, it says sacrifices all creatures they control, and then you put the cards you exiled this way into the battlefield from your graveyard. So, oh, so if Lily on Standard Bear was in the graveyard and played yeah. Living Death, yeah, you might you like, draw a bunch there. Um, Garna the Blood Flame is a deck. I kind of want to build this. It's a flash card. When it enters the battlefield, returns to your hand all creature cards in your graveyard that are put there from anywhere this turn. So you, it's kind of like the eggs thing where you want to sack everything. And right, that deck is built for a lot of things to die all at once, which means yeah. Liliana's Standard Bear would probably be good in that deck. Yeah, Shire Shizo's Caretaker, which brings back creatures with power one or less mm-hmm. uh, from your graveyard to the battlefield. So that is sacking a lot of creatures so Liliana standard bearer will be good yeah and then there's like awakening zone yeah. from beyond or any of these cards that make eldrazi spawn or scions because these are little uh creatures that almost act like treasure tokens you sack them to add but in this case just a colorless mana i mean yeah. imagine just like modest scenario you sack three of those things and then you flash this in and you basically turn those scions into cards mm-hmm. which is you know pretty good like a, a lot of times you're like oh i have three of these scions would you do you want each of those to be a card from your deck yes i do that yeah. would be sweet thank yeah. you people play painful truths which is two in a black that at most can draw you three cards liliana standard bear has a much higher rate and can be flashed in as well so that's pretty good yeah all right all right how that did, was black <laughs> do we give it less points because it only really had oh three yeah wait, we did, yeah with red, we didn't even consider Chandra, but I guess she wasn't that great. And, oh, uh, right. You're Sanctum. And then Chandra had, or red had the two uh, commanders that I don't want to like pretend didn't exist. Oh, Subira, right? But, yeah. And uh, Garda or whatever. Garda. The, the, the dragon. The dragon one, That makes yeah. treasure tokens. Uh, I still think it's a B plus. Yeah, it's a B plus around there. Okay. Because so, those, those commanders don't add anything new. They're cool. They're I think, cool. But they're not like awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So black has Vito. Black yep. has Caravac. The Sanctum that deals that drains and the liliana and liliana which is okay okay. um so not adding a ton there i think not very many cards here black score is pretty low here i think c c minus even which is okay black from our stats a couple years ago was the strongest color in commander i think since then green has probably pulled ahead but it's black's in the top three colors and i don't think needs a ton of help right black Uh, can do everything pretty much it can draw cards it can ramp it can find ways of doing most there's nothing we're sitting around going you know i wish black could do x like black is (laughs) fine so the fact that it didn't get a lot of tools isn't the worst thing yeah Uh, it's if you play a lot of black it's probably a little disappointing but it's kind of like you give the grade for the color and then you give the grade for how you feel about it getting that grade. right it got a c (laughs) minus but i think a c minus is actually not that bad in this case yeah when white gets a c minus it's way worse than when black does how about that all right, let's go to the it's multicolor. It's like actually, if you yeah. think about it. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, multicolored cards. There's only three of them. The first one is Conclave Mentor. Green and a white, two mana for a 2-2 Centaur Cleric. If one or more 1-1 one, one counters would be put on a creature you control, put that many plus one 1-1 one, one counters on that creature instead. So hardened scales, basically. Yeah, on the creature. And it says when uh, Conclave Mentor dies, you gain life equal to its power. So if you've made it bigger, it will then give you more life when it dies i mean if a deck has hardened scales and is in green and white then it probably wants this card too right you definitely do and this is a conversation we've feels like we've had quite a bit of times uh the plus one plus one matters decks that are all over the place um it's great when you have gave groove spores and the, like the meme now is like oh yay finally away from my gave deck to go infinite yeah exactly <laughs> you don't need another <laughs> you don't need another but it's another thing that adds on to this the rayhan last of the obzon deck is actually i think growing a lot in popularity as well um especially with the new uh commander dies rules well she got a little worse 
unfortunately, yeah. with the commander's dies. So fortunately, I guess Conclave Mentor maybe buffs it up a little bit if you're mm-hmm. playing a partner in here to, to get white to in get there. White. Yep. Uh, Tyam, the new one that cares about counters on creatures. Oh, yeah. Obviously going to play nice with this. Merith, Will of the Wild, again, wanting plus one, plus one counter matters cards. The Ozolith. Oh, yeah. Yay. Keep your counters around and transform them to creatures and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. We don't have to talk about plus one counters much, right? Yeah. You know if you want a card like this. And it's an uncommon, which means it's going to be easily accessible, and I think that's great for just enabling. I think it's a pretty fun strategy, and it's one that I, I appealed to me a lot when I first started playing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next up we have Experimental Overload. Two, a blue and a red for another uncommon. It's a sorcery. Create an XX blue and red weird creature token, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Then, you may return an instant or a sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Experimental Overload. So, four mana, rebuy a spell, pretty much. Sometimes get a big blue and red weird creature. Yeah, I mean, you're getting like a 3-3 or 4-4 most of the time, probably. Yeah. Uh, it harkens a little to Volcanic Visions, which I think is an underrated card and I like a lot. But this does this has less effect. Like, most of what you're doing is just getting the card back in your hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I like less than Volcanic Visions, which is like, hey, wipe the board and get <laughs> and the card get the back card. in your hand, which will give you the time to cast the card that you just played. I guess a decent-sized creature might give you some time, too, but yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah, we're, we're stretching a little bit here for the multicolored. Because there's not very many. There's not very many, yeah. And like, oh, guess what? Real the Everwise. You, uh, instance and Sorcerers and Graveyard. Morty, oh, great. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> All right, the last multicolored card is Leafkin Avenger. Two and a red for a... Uh, sorry, two a red and a green. Four mana. For an elemental druid, it's a 4-3. has two abilities. You can tap it and add green for each creature you control with power four or greater. Oh. That's a new line of text. Yeah. And then you can pay seven and a red, and Leafkin uh, Avenger deals damage equal to its power to target player or planeswalker. Okay. So infinite mana, this is one of those cards like the invokers from uh, uh, the Eldrazi plane with the little... Hedrons. Zendikar. Zendikar. Mm-hmm. Do a similar thing here. But this kind of reads like a guy's cradle for all those four plus power matters decks, right? <laughs> Just a little bit. I mean, here's the thing. If you have, let's say you have four, four plus power creatures on the battlefield. Okay. You're winning. You don't need a bunch more, more mana. mana. Yeah. Like, you already have a bunch of mana on the table. You've clearly already created a lot of mana somehow because how'd you cast all that stuff? Yeah, four mana for a mana dork is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, if you're playing your Omnath, Locus of Rage, or Royal decks, you're making a bunch of elementals and things in any way. So, eh, you know. If you can create a lot of mana, this will just win the game by just funneling the mana into it. And so maybe... There's some weird Staff of Domination loops you could get into by tapping itself to create the mana that you ev- eventually, eventually you, activate you with it. you have to make it red. You gotta make red, yeah. 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 It's an uncommon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> ah, stop talking about it. Oh, gosh. All right, artifacts and colorless cards. There's Not only three many. of them, and one of them we've talked about a lot already. So it's Chromatic Orrery. This was our preview card. Seven mana for a legendary artifact. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. You can tap it to add five colorless mana or five diamond mana to your mana pool, or you can pay five and tap it to draw a card for each color among permanents you control. Jimmy and I are both pretty mediocre lackluster on this card. It's a lot of mana. Mm-hmm. One thing that people know that we did not mention is that, yes, this works well in a Joda deck. No, we Joda. mentioned that. I don't know why people said we didn't. I know. I thought we did, too, and I read yeah. the comments. I was like... Are we sure? And I didn't check, but okay, I guess we did mention it. Anyway, yeah. if you want to hear a much more detailed breakdown about Chromatic Orrery, including us not really knowing what an Orrery is, we now know it's like a recreation of the It's universe. a model of like a solar system. Yeah, yeah, which is on every Orrery. Um, 
just check out that episode. Well, obviously, you can just look up Chromatic Orrery. It should be one of the first things that come up. But we're not super high in this card. Seven mana. I mean, let's just talk about the blue cards that are under seven mana that do more. Yeah, Sublime Epiphany is way better than this card. <laughs> At seven mana, you need to be making game-winning plays. This is setting you up for further plays, which right. I don't. Th- I think you're done with once you're... We already don't like Chromatic. Uh, I mean, uh, a Gilded Lotus, right? Yeah. And that's a five mana mana rock that you could say is, uh, you know, scaled around the same power level as Chromatic for seven. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Maze Mind Tome two for an artifact you can tap it to put a page counter on maze mind tome and scry one or you can pay two and tap it to put a page counter on maze mind tome to draw a card however when there are four or more page counters on maze mind tome exile it if you do gain four life oh man it was looking so sweet <laughs> oh man right to that last bit <laughs> where you can only do this four times you can scry for free right to two mana scry one immediately when it comes down i can see a mono right white or mono red deck maybe playing this card if you can bring it back with mono red artifacts i mean yeah. endless atlas already exists and doesn't well, you exile you got, no. yeah <laughs> you can't bring it back endless atlas already exists so if it's mono red mono white or boros you're running that first and endless atlas honestly like i i've not been super happy with it you run it out of necessity but paying two mana for an artifact that you then have to pay two mana and tap to draw a card for is a really bad rate that's four mana for one card six mana for two eight mana for three, three. ten mana for four this is not what you really want to be doing because what do mono white and mono red decks also has a, have as a disadvantage for their colors? Mana. They create less mana than the <laughs> other colors. So you can't afford to be wasting it inefficiently like this. So I don't like this whole like, uh, I don't like this whole like, I don't like this whole <laughs> attitude of, well, that's what white and red have. So you have to do it, but it's like play. It's, it's even worse for them to waste more mana to draw cards than everybody else. Um, and, yeah. and you're right. Even in a good scenario, where you've got the mana and this is going, you can only do it four times. <laughs> and then it goes away. And then it goes away. It exiles itself too. It doesn't even want you to pull off other shenanigans with it. This I, is, I just think it's a worse version of stuff that's already out there that, and that other stuff is not even not that even great. Good, yeah. yeah. The colors are disadvantaged. You need to be able to jump another extra hurdle, but because it's an artifact, that means that every color can now play it. So you can't jump too hard of a hurdle. So it's in this weird place where it's just like, well, sorry, you're not the favorite child of okay. the family. <laughs> Two places I think you may think about it are Aminatu. Because you can flicker it. And Brago. And you're basically saying, I'm just going to tap this to scry the one. Aminatu does occasionally care about the top card of the library. Sometimes he'll draw. Yeah, and sometimes you might draw, but that's not the main thing it's there for. It's mainly like a thing that costs two mana to tap and scry, which is probably not good enough for most Aminatu and Brago decks. But if you have like a lower powered one or a budget one, maybe this fits in. But yeah, if you can't flicker it or something, like, I don't know. I mean, it is also magical Christmas land to say I'm going to do this five times in a game. Yeah. In most games, like, you probably won't even do it four. Like, you just won't have well, the mana to Well, imagine drawing this on, like, turn seven. Yeah. But like, if you do, you're never going to have to worry about that last part because the game, the game <laughs> won't the game go will long enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We're sorry, talking about Maze Sorry. <laughs> sorry. We apologize. Someone out there is like, I like this card. Okay. All right. Uh, the last artifact is a creature it's spark hunter masticore three mana for a three four oh. artifact creature masticore masticores always have this text which makes them a lot worse is as an additional cost to cast this spell discard a card could be an upside in some decks though true, true. uh it has protection from planeswalkers that's pretty interesting it has it's two oh it's a spark hunter that yeah makes sense. spark hunter uh, it has two activated abilities. The first one is spark, pay one mana, colon, Spark Hunter deals one damage to target Planeswalker. So for four mana, it'll deal, it'll kill Teferi. <laughs> <laughs> 
in general, I think you're playing this in the Super Friends heavy meta, or when you play it, other people go, oh, thank goodness. That's not one of those cards where I can pay mana into it, is it? And you're like, no, 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 only me, only me. Maybe you play it in like a Muldrotha deck or something like that, where mm-hmm. you are you don't care if the card goes to the graveyard. Right, you have to discard. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a, a emergency release valve for, you know, oh no, there's a Planeswalker I got to take care of. I want a tool to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, is Hex Parasite better? It's a one mana, one, one. You can pay X and then black or a Phyrexian mana to remove up to X counters from target permanent. Yeah. Uh, Only cost one. Yeah. You pay a Phyrexian. Yeah. It's, but it, this is color restricted, right? So it has to be a black. black, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, fine. It's probably better, but this can, you know, become undestructible and do some stuff maybe i don't know yeah you know okay. i think this card's you, you okay me. it's not very good it's okay and uh, super friends metas mm, sure i don't know i mean it, i i sometimes you see a card josh and you're like i'm i'm just never playing that yeah Th- that's here listen that's what we've been saying about a lot of cards and how i like to wrap up the conversation about a card is like <laughs> blah, blah 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 but we're probably never going to see that really in reality on the battlefield during commander games spark hunter massacre we probably won't ever see it or maybe it'll be just very rare if we do. Yeah. And you know, in those cases, I do enjoy seeing these cards because it's like, oh, cool. I like what you figured out how to make it work because you have to jump through hurdles for certain cards like this to get to their maximum like fun time value. It's one of those ones where you go, oh, I remember that from draft. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the draft chat file. All right. The last one is a land, arguably better art than nine lives, um, but they're both up there. It's called Animal Sanctuary. You can tap it to add colorless, or you can pay two to tap it and put a plus one, plus one counter on target bird, cat, dog, goat, ox, or snake. Or, why isn't it all of them? I don't know, right? I guess that would probably be too powerful, but they have like Orn Reef, the Vastwood and stuff, but that's this creatures that enter the battlefield this turn. Okay, fine. So two mana to put a plus one, plus one counter on your bird tribal deck, cat tribal deck, dog, goat, ox, or snake tribal deck. I think cat and dog tribal decks now might exist goat tribal decks are always a joke and they do exist and snake tribal does exist as well sure, so, yeah so that's like three or four and, and bird tribal shirt that exists too um so really goat and ox are the ones that don't is what you're saying yeah but you know i think there are better ways to put plus and plus encounters for instance on all your cards all your creatures i'm trying to think if i would put this in my hapatra deck mm. i'm not sure because one counter on one snake like is like who cares? It's definitely not worth this being a land that I draw in my opening turn that makes it so I can't cast a Patra on turn two because it's colorless. Yeah. It's at the cost of also a land that you're tapping that turn. Two other lands too. So that's three Three mana. mana put yeah. a one one counter on something. Like, are you ever really doing that? And if you are, you're losing that game anyway, right? Yeah. Because like, if you're ever at a point where that's what you have to be doing, that's a play that you're making in a real game of commander. Three mana put a one one counter on something you're either losing that game by a million or you're winning that game by a million. <laughs> and you just have the liberty to run around and be like, and sure, all animal sanctuary Yeah, why something. not? Uh, it doesn't come in tapped uh, like a lot of these sort of specialty lands do. If you have a Mutavolt, it's a changeling. So I was like, oh, maybe if a Marchesa deck, because again, plus and plus of counters are not what Grixis does best. So if you had some weird Marchesa deck where they're all <laughs> changelings beautiful. and then you can use animal sanctuary to put a plus and plus of counter on it, you know, now, uh, this is find a some hurdles. Mind of Jimmy find some hurdles. Through the lens of my Marchesa deck, <laughs> this is even good. <laughs> yeah, it happens a few times every episode where it's like, Jimmy, where are you going? It's like, gotta go look through the lens of my Marchesa deck. <laughs> um, okay, I'm pulling out all the cards that we talked about uh, last episode too because we're going to go into our favorite questions here, which are our favorite cards and what we feel are the, m- or our favorite card right. and what we feel is the most 
powerful new card in the set. And I'm just pulling a f- uh, out some uh, the big nomination. Ones. Yeah, nominees. Um, and the nominees are... I think we can narrow it down even further realistically, right? Yes. Like, Let's see It's here. probably... Okay. Um, another thing uh, that we usually talk about now is how do we feel about the new cards overall? And I'm going to say I'm really pleasantly surprised by the core set. Um, not only because there are some cards that sort of enter into the territory of fixing problems, but big reprints, especially Commander Staples. It really is the year of Commander in a lot more ways than I think we expected when that first tagline was thrown around to us when we had Gavin on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we see that they're paying a lot more attention to us in the reprints, and they're doing so even in standard sets, usually where they are much more wary of doing so because it will affect the standard power level. Like putting a Zuza into standard, for instance, might be problematic, or it might not be. So you're hoping that they've tested it out. But for us Commander players, big thumbs up in that regard. I think this set... And in general, the improvements that were made to red as well as to a certain degree white make me pretty up on it as a whole. And it's a core set. You know, M15 was the first core set I really came back to, and I had many fond memories from that. And we still play some cards from that set, but not that many. I think there's going to be a lot more general staples from this one. That was some good talking. Good job. Yeah, good organizing. <laughs> okay. So I pulled aside some nominees here. Um, I'll just read them so that they can follow along. Sure. Sanctum of All, which is the Big Daddy 5 Wooberg Shrine card. The this is for most powerful new card, by the way. Yep. Uh, Teferi, Master of Time. Sublime Epiphany. Fiery Emancipation, the uh, damage tripler. Mm-hmm. Chandra's Incinerator. Elder Gargaroth, I think is probably the best green card, or it's that or it's Garrick, Garrick Unleashed. Yeah. Uh, Peer into the Abyss. Black was pretty lacking in this in this set so there wasn't a lot of choice angelic ascension which is the sort of path to exile but instead of land you get a 4-4 flyer Mm -hmm. and idol of endurance or nine lives maybe yeah angelic ascension can also get rid of a planeswalker no right right um so i think that's probably the best white card and then there's maybe an argument for discontinuity which is the stop the turn end the turn blue instant it's probably closer to power level of all the other cards that aren't blue, but I think the other two blue cards are better than it. Yeah, which and kinda... it's by a big, it's a long, long distance between the rest of the cards and the blue cards here, I think. Yeah, I think if we were going to narrow it down even further, we would just say it's either Teferi, Master of Time, or Sublime Epiphany. Do you agree? I agree, and I think I would probably take Sublime Epiphany oh. over Teferi, because wow. Teferi, look, we just talked it up a lot, right? And other people are going to be talking it up a lot. You play it on the battlefield, people are going to be talking it up a lot gonna paint a big target on your back sublime epiphany i think just out of nowhere could win you the game might edge it a little more for more powerful i'm gonna say teferi i think we're gonna see a lot of teferi i think you should get used to seeing this card in the battlefield it's just never gonna be bad it's always gonna loot you at least twice probably three times it'll just be hard to kill fast enough for it to not do that i think we definitely say too it's better than jace the mind sculptor as a format for, com- for commander i, I yeah. believe so for sure yeah and and sometimes it'll just outright win the game uh go unchecked get out early and things like that so by epiphany i think is very good but it's six mana later game play um i just think yeah i just think we're probably going to see more teferi it's i think teferi is just going to be a staple yeah. Uh, close to the level of Cyclonic Rift, but not quite. More along the low lines of like Smothering Tithe. You can spark stuff. double it too, right? Make another... Uh... <laughs> Think of how often we see Smothering Tithe now. I bet Teferi is like a similar level of that's how much we'll see it. Yeah, and the only thing that's stopping that from happening is that it's a mythic. Now, if we remove the blue cards from the equation, mm-hmm. now it rises to the top. Now, this is more interesting, I think, because these cards are a little, yeah. little bit more... My vote is actually for Fire Emancipation, yeah. it's. I think when I compared it to um, uh, the Crater Hoof Behemoth, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a card that wins you the game 
often on the spot. Yep. And or the turn after you play it, if the, right. if if you're still around. So yeah, I agree with you. I like that a lot. And I think my second choice would be Angelic Ascension, maybe. Oh, interesting. I kind of like Idol of Endurance just because it's something that looks like they're they're aiming to do have White do a little more, which is kind of like mess around with certain CMC permanents and different zones. Well, let's talk about our favorite card in the set here, which is not always lined up with the most powerful cards. Let me see if there's one that <laughs> didn't yeah make it didn't here. make these nominations. You know what? Terror of the Peaks. That's this pretty... has got to be my favorite card. Actually, that could have been in contention too for for most powerful card i mean Certainly. i don't think it's with the blue cards but with fire it does go it does go infinite with some stuff for sure and mm -hmm. i think conspicuous snoop also or even brash taunter the fact that they're all red makes me very happy okay These i are mean cool cards i think sublime epiphany is probably my favorite as far as i know it's powerful also but it's just a very josh card as yeah. far as like just wait around and then do the thing that i feel so <laughs> safe just like pass the turn and if you have a Canori out then you're like oh i didn't need to use sublime epiphany i'll do something do else something else yeah yeah so i, I think that's just the kind of card that really leans into how i like to play uh the game which is basically feel safe and feel like i'm going to be able to deal with whatever happens because yeah. i have a variety of answers so that makes perfect sense to me yeah okay a cool set overall though i agree with you i'm happy i'm i'm very happy with this especially coming from a core set and especially if you factor in the reprints yeah like factor in azusa ugin grim tutor it's i mean this is pretty great and then we haven't even gotten to jumpstart which we're going to do a set review for because we have to because there's a bunch of new cards. But talk about the reprints and Jumpstart. Yeah, there's a bunch there too. This is a pretty pretty good, you know, what, three-month period as far as magic um, reprints and stuff uh, and giving things to the Commander format. So that's pretty cool. I am glad too that I think this does lower the cost of entry in a lot of different oh, yeah. ways for players to build a certain power level of deck and get to get some of the staples as well. And you just get the added benefit if you're out there and you're in an LGS finally and cracking some packs, you might just get some of these great staples as well. Yeah, really, really cool. All right, to the listeners, what is your favorite new card from M21? Are there any that you think are going to make a big splash in Commander that we did not talk about? Or are there any interactions that uh, yeah. you see that we didn't talk about? Or, you know, these are new cards. Oftentimes we get small little rules things wrong on a couple of them go ahead and point that stuff out in the comments and stuff just uh i want to know what is like the common that's going to rock our minds that we didn't think about because we talked about a couple of uncommons here but but no comments i'm sure there's at least one in there that's like hey don't forget popper people rejoice i think there's whatever. a common that's like one black instant sack of creature draw two cards yeah. which i think is probably playable mm. and pretty good cool all right if you want to get any of the cards that we just talked about or all the cards we just talked about or any of the jumpstart cards or any of the double master stuff that's coming up or commander legends mystery boosters Ikoria. c20 all this stuff cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go you're going to buy this stuff anyway. You really want to get all these cards, jam them into your decks. If you just use our affiliate link when you purchase all that stuff, you really are simultaneously helping out game nights, this podcast, Extra turns, I'm going to say it. We've been working on extra turns. Those are hopefully coming down the pipe pretty soon. Exciting. So, yeah, definitely big thanks to everybody who supports our sponsors. They do make all this stuff possible. Yep. And hey, look, they said it was a good year for Commander players. It's also a good year for dog and cat lovers. And Ultra Pro's got your back covered because look at Josh's playmat. <laughs> look at that. It's so cute. And there's a bunch of actually other dog arts that they've been making playmats for. Ultra Pro, again, 
highest quality play mats in the business, bar none. They've been doing it for the longest. You want to go to them. You don't want to just order something off another website of another company because honestly, I've I've, had, I've done it in the past. The colors aren't as crisp. They're a little washed out. They're not allowed to use some of the art. And so Ultra Pro is the one that we could just go to and trust because it's, you know, for me, affordable and it's a great way to protect my cards and it's a great way to theme out what I'm playing with. And it makes me happier because that's, you know, those small things definitely add up. You know, I'm I'm the guy that's looking through the Marchesa lens all, every time. You know, I'm the guy that's also going to want to deck out my, you know, box a little bit to look a little more on theme with what I'm doing. Yeah, it's funny because you and DJ have definitely, and Cassius have definitely like uh, rubbed off on me. And yeah. That, like when I, I'm like, we built that Ob Obosh deck a few uh, weeks back and I ordered all the cards. And I'm like, okay, I have to get uh, Rakdos sleeves. I have nice. to get a Rakdos deck box. I got to get something that's Rakdos themed for the playmat when yeah. I play it. And I'm like, <laughs> I never used to do that. But Ultra Pro is the best place to find everything together under the same banner that's going to fit any theme that you can come up with. They really are the best at that stuff. So. And you can find it everywhere, including cardcame.com slash command zone, as well as just in your regular stores. And it's great to support your LGS if they stock that product. All right. Now it's time for the end step uh -oh. where we talk <laughs> about something cool outside the world of magic. We promised it this time too. Yeah. Cause we skipped it last time. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, have you oh. ever talked about music? I'll, I'll give a okay. quick music yeah. recommendation. Let's go for it. Uh, Run the Jewels, which is a band that has a couple of iconic music videos. We just released a new album. It's very, uh, if you like hip hop and rap, it's very uh, fun. And I think it's very like uh, present to what's happening in the world right now. So it's a very relevant album. Run the Jewels? Run the Jewels. Yeah, it's the band name. And I've never even heard of them. What? No way. No. If I played you a couple of their songs, I'll play it after this. You'll, you'll, you'll recognize it. You can't them. play it now because there'll be copyright infringement yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Up. The DMC request sing is already it badly, happening. maybe, at the beginning of a... Uh, oh, it's that kind of... Okay. Uh, the, uh, the album is called uh, RTJ4. So okay. Run the Jewels 4, I think, is their fourth Run album. Run the Jewels 4. Very Did you cool. have one, though? Huh? Did you have one? You look like you're about to. I'll save it for next time. I don't oh, want to perfect. waste end steps, man. That yeah, was a good, a good one. Point. That's a good point. Yeah. Good point. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Manson Lung, Lady Danger, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Estaca, and Sam Waldo. And special thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer. You can find him on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. He's doing the living backgrounds behind us here on set, and they start and end our show at YouTube.com slash podcast. So big thanks, as always, Jeff. Thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you, everybody out there, for watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect 
instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.